Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Fire podcast live on YouTube today for episode 220. Happy Halloween to you. I, I won't even waste your time and ask how your Halloween was because I think we all know the answer. Just a rough afternoon in New Orleans for Tampa Bay. The narrative returns 36 to 27, your final score as the Buccaneers head into the bye week with a 6 and 2 record. Still first place in the NFC South for the time being. But if the Saints win their game next week, with the Bucks having the bye, it'll make things a little bit more interesting when it comes to that hunt for first place in the division. But as far as the game goes, I mean, back-breaking penalties. A, a season-high amount of turnovers for the Bucks, And uh, basically... It puts an end to the best start in franchise history with the Buccaneers at six wins and two losses headed into the bye week. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. How are you feeling on this Halloween, my friend? Well, it certainly was um, all tricks and no treats, huh? I think, uh, you know, I think... Um, there was obviously I, I you know this lost things a lot because it wasn't like the one in Tampa, right? The Saints didn't dominate this game. Uh, it, it actually felt like the Saints really didn't necessarily win it. It felt like the Bucks lost it. That's you know those are the ones that sting the most. I think it's not when you get beat. I think the Rams the Rams played better than the Bucks. Like that was just the the Rams beat the Bucks. Like the, you know this one the Bucks beat themselves. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's obviously always a tough one. And uh, yeah, they, the Saints played like like I said, they played a lot of tricks, and the Bucks got very little treats today. Support for the Cannon Fire Podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. You know, as we look at the game preview shows, some of the storylines we had talked about coming into this one, of course, the quarterback matchup, Jameis Winston coming in, and uh, we were going to see what they had in store for him in that New Orleans offense this week. He goes down, I believe, the end of the first quarter. It was a pretty ugly-looking injury right around the knee, just kind of 
got folded up and and went the wrong way. Knees aren't supposed to bend the way that his did. So he was out for the remainder of the contest. And hopefully he doesn't miss too much time because, you know, to be honest, as much as we, you know, talk bad about the ex-quarterback a lot, you hate to see him go down like that. I, I think part of the excitement of this game uh, was seeing what kind of 60 minutes you were going to get from him as a starter at the quarterback position. So, you know, it's a shame he went down early, but as we look at the game and how things sort of unfolded, let's look at the offense for New Orleans. Mistakes aside, we'll get to those when we get to them. You know, but on the offensive side of the ball for New Orleans, you had Trevor Simeon come in, throw his first touchdown since, I don't know, 1,400-something days, um, and lead New Orleans to a win. But at the end of the day, it really seemed like anybody could have stepped in there and run that offense. And I'm not sure if that was the plan for Jameis Winston. You know, we didn't get a good chance to see him get comfortable and, and really let it rip every now and again. He did have the dime that he threw for a touchdown to start things off. But, um, you know, it, it looked very automatic for New Orleans. And, and again, that speaks to the levels of frustration that you had talked about to where it wasn't even like they dominated anything about this game. I think for a majority of the game, the Buccaneers were up pretty high as far as the numbers on offense go like total yards. I think the bucks had way more than they did by, you know, the first half. Um, but yeah, this offense for them, it, it really just looked, it, it looked uh pedestrian and their defense was, was kind of the story today. They got, uh, I think close to 20 over half of their points off of turnovers today from the defense, the pick six at the end to seal it. So, you know, for the saints, it was business as usual. It, it felt like, and the bucks just couldn't really, couldn't get ahead long enough in this one and it was just frustrating yeah uh I, you know it just I, I feel like that last the last drive and we'll obviously talk about it but um the last drive that only happens against the saints like anything else um you know any anything else it's not it's not a, you know any other team it doesn't happen that way but against the saints it um you know uh, Silverback Danny says two questions. Well, it says, why is Brady throwing in a double coverage? Well, if he, you know, he kind of got fooled on that last one. I think that's what you're referring to. Um, kind of got fooled on that last one. That was just a good play. Didn't see him really. I, I really believe he just didn't see that safety. Um, and then let's all be real. Brady was the main factor we lost. That's just not true. Uh, they, they scored 16 points on our turnovers, all caused by Brady. Yeah, you can't put the, the blame solely on, on Tom Brady. Not when the team has uh, over uh, 100 yards and penalties in critical spots. And uh, you, you can't pin a loss on one guy when a team does that. So. Well, and I'll tell you, it's it's tough for a lot of people not to, you know, not to feel that way because of the sting that was supposed to be a game-winning drive for the Bucks. You know, inside two minutes, we talked about the situation leading up to it where the Saints had the ball in the red zone, and I thought they were going to chew clock kick a field goal, take a, a two-point lead at the time, and leave the Bucks with like 20 seconds left because I think mm -hmm. Tampa Bay only had one timeout at that point. It's a first-and-goal situation for New Orleans. They throw the ball three straight times, burn a total of six or seven seconds, and there's like over a minute and a half left. And for Tom Brady, that's a lot of time. We've seen him run the two-minute offense before. That's why you bring him to Tampa. He's been in this situation before. And uh, obviously with the way that it plays out, you have shades of the Rams, uh, Rams game last year. I don't think Brady played as bad tonight as he did in that Rams game in 2020. No. But, you know, four touchdowns certainly helped the team out. The, the offense started to answer when they needed to. They had the lead at one point in this game. But again, you know, the biggest thing that has to be attributed to why the Bucks lost this game is all the turnovers and the mistakes, the flags. 
I know the refs were running wild tonight in New Orleans, but um, you know some of those calls were a little more than questionable, and that's that's definitely been a common theme this year too. Yeah, I mean, when you know when we say beat yourselves, it, it can't just be one guy um, because one guy. I understand the quarterback has the ball; he touches the ball the most out of anybody. I get it, right? And a lot of the blame is going to go on the quarterback, and when they win, a lot of the credit's going to go to the quarterback. Like I get it. But when you beat yourselves like that, it's it's not all on the quarterback. And honestly, the penalties, I don't know exactly the numbers, but it seemed like the Bucks penalties were mainly on um, were mainly on defense. Uh, it didn't seem like they had as many issues on, on offense uh, regarding penalties. There were a few uh, that that did happen on offense, but it seemed like the main costly ones were on defense and the Saints were able to convert those into touchdowns or not if, if not touchdowns, points. you know I mean, Ross, Ross Cockrell, um, they have a, a third and five. They get out, get off. Um, and I know that the Saints anyways kicked a field goal, right? Like I understand they kicked the field goal on that same drive, but it would have been a longer field goal to try. And you also would have had more clock. So it's just, you know, it's uh, like I said, when you beat yourselves like that, the refs aren't good, right? We'll talk about it. The refs in pro sports are bad. They're always going to be bad. Even the horse collar tackle, like that's not a horse collar tackle. I feel for Jameis. I really do. Um, it, it did suck that he went out. Like you, you said, you know, kind of looking forward to, to the matchup and um, for him to go out that quickly. Um, it definitely sucks. And, you know, you know how bad he, he, he wants to win and, and how much of a competitor he is. And when something like that happens, it sucks. But that also gave an extra 15 yards and it just, it's not a horse collar tackle, man. I mean, the, the first Brady pick Godwin's being held. Um, Tyler Johnson's being held. There's, so there's two holds on the same play. Um, yeah. The, the Devin white roughing the passer. I mean, the, the court that there were, the issue there with were that multiple the, roughing the passers yeah. tonight too, that were just egregious. I mean, the issue, the, the one issue with, with the roughing was was somewhat understandable, but uh, I believe the Devin White one. Well, the the, the, the Sue one wasn't called. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. That's the one who was picked up. Yeah, yeah, I know you're so, right. So um, the one that would like actually looked like it was wasn't called. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the Devin White one. I understand the rule, but the rule was embarrassing, guys. Like it's embarrassing for the league. I mean Devin White literally just basically slaps him in, in the face mask. And you call roughing the passer. I mean, and then and Will Golston, there's a reason Will Golston, I texted you. There's a reason Will Golston hit him without his helmet on. It's because the Teron Armstead had his hands all the way up in Will Golston's face. He ripped so, his helmet off. It, it wasn't I mean, a coincidence like, that he was there uh, the way that he was. I mean, another call. Let's just go ahead and lay them all out on the table. Devin White, he had the taunting call. That was costly yeah. towards the end of the game. You know, it's, it, it's you know, that just that can't happen. That, that, that's, that's, that's the rule. That's my next that point is that is as bad as the referees have been across all the sports this year. It seems like every single week it gets worse with the officials. But, you know, as far as discipline goes, this has to be a turning point for this football team, because I feel like personally for defending Super Bowl champions, we have talked far too much on this podcast so far this season about these costly penalties, these needless mistakes that just need to be improved upon. Like, the referees being bad is one thing. You know, at this rate, the refs are going to be bad every week. Why am I even surprised at this point? Why am I wasting breath on on the officials not being up to snuff? Because it's a problem every single week, and it seems to be getting worse. But for the things that can be prevented, that's on the Bucks, man. And it has to happen. Because 
We've been saying it against lesser teams. It can happen against lesser teams. But when you go up against teams like the Rams, the Saints, even though the Saints were missing their starting quarterback and a lot of their offensive weapons, they're they are still a disciplined when, football yeah, team. When you when you gift and when you gift them free yards, they're going to take advantage. Hundred percent. Right? We we said that coming into this week. Uh, you know, while the Saints are not the offensive powerhouse that that's going to outscore Tampa in a shootout. You know, the scoreboard tonight says one thing, but if you look at the game, the way the defense came together for them, we knew that was going to be a concern. But, you know, for New Orleans, they are just disciplined. They are at a level where they do not get those back-breaking penalties. And when they do, they seem to have a way to bounce back from it. But, you know, again, going back to square one, that's so frust- that, that's what's so frustrating about this matchup is because, you know, for... For the Bucs, it never seems like they can get a step ahead of New Orleans. And and this is just another regular season contest where we see it happen. The the Bucs, I, I believe I saw in a game preview show, uh, the team that had the least amount of turnovers and the team that had the least amount of penalties was going to be the one to win. The Bucs had three turnovers, Saints had zero. The Bucs had 11 penalties and the Saints had two. Now, well, you can argue whether the Saints should have gotten more calls or the Bucs should have gotten less calls, whatever it is. That's the facts right there. Right. And that's the reason they lost the game right right there. Those two things, they won that game in New Orleans in the playoffs last year because one, they didn't turn the ball over and two, they didn't commit as many penalties. That's why that's exactly why they won. And I, I I just had a feeling that the team that was going to be able to clean those things up was going to be the team that was going to win the game. And I mean, it just speaks to how close this Bucks team really is because you know, they were still in it the entire time with 11 penalties, with three turnovers at the time, too, when they had the, the chance to win it. Um, yeah, there was a time where this was a uh, close to three possession game. Yeah, it was two, it was 23 to seven yeah. at one point. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's 20, 27, 26. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, we could talk about it all day, but, you know, Brian Shaw says trash performance wasn't expecting the Bucks from the Bears lost last season, this game at this point in the season. Look, I mean, it's um, it's a new year, right? And I think that's it, that's yeah, it sounds like coach speak for me because that's what Bruce Arians has been saying. But it's true, uh, it is a new year. What happened last year doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. It's a new team. It, it is a new team, new players. Like you're not the same player that you were last year. You're, you're not the same player, right? Tom Brady is not the same player that he was last year. It's just it 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 matters because. Like I said, this is a different team. They got to correct it now, right? The Bears game was really a wake-up call. They, they, you know, and they've had some, they've had penalty issues really all year. They didn't really commit many versus Chicago, which is good. But like that Chicago game got out of hand quick. So it's like, I feel like it's easier to not commit penalties when you're playing more loose. Um, but uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just not, not good enough. You know, it's not, that's not, you're not going to win any, anything having 11 penalties over hundred yards with three turnovers and not being able to force a single turnover. Like you're, you're not going to win a single thing. I don't care who the saints quarterback is. Like, I, I, I really don't care who the saints quarterback is. They were going to win this football game. If, you know, honestly, if you would have told me the Bucks were going to have three turnovers and 11 penalties while the saints would have zero and two, I would say the Bucks would get their doors blown off. Like I, I would have thought it would have been not even close. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. Uh, Silverback Danny is really trying to 
pin this on Brady, man. Uh, 25 touchdowns and five picks for Brady. Brady's still on the MVP run. A dent on Brady's MVP run, unfortunately. MVP front runner still question mark. Well, I don't know actually if he was ever the MVP front runner. Um, it's probably a guy like Kyler Murray. I know that took a dent this week too, but it just it just seems like the voters are kind of sick of Brady. So I don't think that Brady was ever actually going to win the MVP. But I mean, you can still be. They're six and two, guys. Like, relax, okay? Like, you, you gotta relax. So not the worst thing in the world you know um, i i know that uh i know we like to make our weekly predictions here but if i could make an observation i would like to say that i think as far as our season prediction show back in july goes or early august we're we're still on the money i think yeah, we both I, had them yeah. six and two going the same exact yeah. route up until this point um so i guess if there is some silver lining we get to kind of bang our chest a little bit i know the weekly was, predictions we, we haven't going we haven't going six and two and ending 13 and four so yeah. You know, if our season predictions are correct, get ready because there's two more losses coming. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, uh it, it's just, it's it's a long season, guys, and it's one game against uh, this team. Doesn't like the Saints. Yes, I don't think they're as they're not certainly not as good as the Bucks. Right? They're not as talented, but they're not horrible either. Like they're not a bad team. It's a tough road game. It just it happens. Uh, real quick before we move on, because I want to talk about like getting the specific players like Tom Brady and stuff. Um, so. Did Gronk get hit today or just wasn't ready? Uh, I'm not sure. He might have gotten hit. It seemed like he was always in some discomfort there. Um, it's, uh, you know, I could tell after Brady threw that ball to him, he didn't get it. You could just sort of, the look on his face was weird. To well, me. he was, it, just, it, it almost looked like he was in pain on his yeah. way down from jumping up to try and get it. Um, yeah. You know, you don't see. Well, if there's one thing you do see from Rob Gronkowski, I'm sure it's a wide array of facial expressions, but I've never seen him like yell like the way he was. You know what I mean? Like when you looked at his face, it looked like he was yelling, probably in pain. So not the best sign, but yeah, he was out of his pads by the second half and and uh, we didn't see him. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Bruce Arian says Gronk should, probably shouldn't have played. Then why did he, you know, Um I don't really understand it. If, if you're admitting that he shouldn't have played, then why did he? Uh, I just, I just don't really think that's acceptable. He brought up how Richard Sherman was, was active, but he was kind of used as an emergency. I think that's exactly how Gronk should have been treated as well. Um, I just don't, don't see the reason why you have him active and you would literally admit that he shouldn't have played and yet you still put him out there for, I mean, he played a good amount of snaps. It's not just like he was in on a one or two plays. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's just I think, you know, it, it has fans heated because it's Saints, because it's a close game. Um, it's a primetime game, you know, in actual TV. A lot of people saw it. it it's tough. It, it really is. But, um, you know, you got a bye week coming up, so it, it's time to, to regroup. But I do want to discuss. Let's let's talk if you're ready. Um, let, let's let's talk about. Uh, TB12's day, which I actually didn't think was as bad as people were going to make it out to be. Yeah, we'll take a look at some of the stats for the Buccaneers on the offensive side of the ball. TB12, his day looked like this. 28 for 40, passing the ball, 375 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and then uh, the one fumble lost as well. So all three of the Buccaneers' offensive turnovers come from the hands of the quarterback. And I'll say this, you know, Brady was under pressure what felt like the entire game. Uh, I haven't really seen the pressure get to him like this throughout the season, uh, at least for a while. It seems like, you know, I thought the first half, the offensive line held up, but 
they had to work for it. Guys like Cam Jordan were able to get there and make that pocket a little bit smaller. Brady had to move up into the pocket. Sometimes just, you know, you could tell he got uncomfortable in there, had to make decisions pretty quickly. Um, eventually it just fell apart. You know, pressure started actually getting there in the second half. And that's when you saw Brady go down, but you know, the nail in the coffin for this offensive line today was, was the loss of Donovan Smith. You saw Josh Wells go in there and finish things up at left tackle. Haven't really gotten an update on D Smith. And I'm sure we will later on this week by the mailbag show, but uh, that's a big loss for this offensive line. And then that last offensive series for the bucks, what was it? Two straight sacks against Brady. You know, that was just moral defeat at that point. Uh, it, it was tough to watch. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like to me, I thought Donovan Smith returned right away. Um, at least that that's that's what I saw. Uh, he he did re, he did. Well, maybe return. maybe you're right. I was a little frustrated. My blood pressure was <laughs> up and down, so numbers um, were the least of my concern in the last five minutes of this game. Yeah, David Cardona brings up a point that I tweeted about. Um, yeah, there was a fumble. The the first turnover uh, was a fumble on a three man pressure. Yeah, that cannot happen. No matter what the, who the team is, who they got on the defensive line, when you're rushing three, that cannot happen. Like that, that just, that cannot happen. So yeah, it's just something about the saints, man. It's just, I understand their defensive line is good. Like it, it is, but it's just something about them. Like the way they scheme things up, it just, it confuses the bucks so much. Like, it seems like the bugs literally can't get anything easy against the saints. It all has to be so difficult. It always like they feels actually, like, it the always offense, feels the like offense, they're a step behind. The offense was actually more productive today than they had been in a while against the Saints. Like they actually were, but it just it felt like so difficult to actually come up with things. It felt like every single yard was just like pulling teeth. Well, the entire um, game too, you know, let's not forget to mention they're digging themselves out of a hole. You know, yeah. 23 to 7 at one point. That's just disgusting. You don't want to get behind any team. And the fact that they were able to claw their way back into this is a statement of how far this team has come. Because I think before, if you get behind that much to New Orleans, clearly they're going to run away with it. It's going to end up like 38 to three, but they were able to stay in this thing. It's just their own mistakes. It is Bucks beating Bucks. We've talked about it countless times, not just this year, not just last year. You know, all the other seasons, they didn't win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady at the helm. We have talked about Bucks beating Bucks, and that's uh, what we saw today. Yeah. But I, like I said, I didn't think Brady played awful. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say he did because they're going to remember one play. That's that's the, the the play they're going to remember is that, oh, he threw the interception to end the game. That's the only play they'll remember. But I just I didn't think he played awful. Uh, he didn't play great, but I, I don't think he played awful. Um, really gave him a chance to win and, and made some nice throws there. But um, I mean, the one to Evans was a beauty. The one the the first one to Evans on the deep ball probably went back. But, you know, Evans got tangled up a little bit. Marshawn Lattimore. So. Um, yeah, I, uh, we know how to make backups look good. <laughs> See, just like Rhett said earlier, I, man, anybody could have run that off. Yeah. Like tr did Trevor Simeon really not only did, was it an offense full of checkdowns, but also they got gifted so many yards by the Bucks defense. Like, did he really have to do a lot? Like, you know, it's, it just it is it is what well, it take, is. Let's I take a think. look at Simeon's stat line really quickly. Yeah. Jameis Winston, before he went out, was six for ten, fifty-six yards and a touchdown. Of course, he was injured, missed the rest of the game. Simeon that's comes not where in. he did. That's not where Jameis did the damage. Though he did the damage mostly through his on his legs. Oh yeah, he did. He was he was mobile this game. 
Uh, Trevor Simeon comes in 16 for 29, not quite as mobile. He didn't run the ball nearly as much as Jameis was on pace to, but 159 yards through the air and a single touchdown for Simeon. So again, it wasn't a fantastic day at quarterback for either one of those guys. I mean, if, if Jameis Winston finishes that game and he runs the offense the same way that Simeon did, he's going to finish with a pretty pedestrian stat line, which is, it's going to keep you a conservative game manager. And we talked about leading up to this game. That's what Jameis is being coached to do. So you don't really know if this was going to be the week he was let loose. The injury stops us from finding out, but Again, that offense was just, it was checkdowns. It was safe plays. It was relying on your running backs. I thought Mark Ingram had a strong game, right? As soon as the Saints signed him this week, I kind of knew if he's going to play, he's he's probably going to be the guy who eats up the most yardage on the ground. They did a pretty good job of slowing down Camara, but at the end of the day, what does it matter? Yeah, <laughs> You know? Uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're looking here, Alvin Camara, 19 uh, attempts, 61 yards, a touchdown. Uh Mark Ingram, six attempts, 27 yards. The He's Saints leading receiver. With his carries. The, the Saints leading receiver was Kevin White with one reception for 38 yards, then 35 yards, 33 yards, 30, 30, 25, 15. Like, I don't know. Like, the bug, like, it comes back to the Bugs beat themselves. Like, the, the, then that's the most frustrating thing, I think. It, like I said, if the Bucks just get, go went out there and got beat by the Saints, Alvin Kamara had over 100 yards rushing, and whether it was Jameis Winston or Trevor Simeon, you know they, you know they went out there and just did whatever they wanted. But the Bucks were giving it to them like that. That's the most frustrating thing. If the Bucks, you know, you 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 eliminate four penalties, right? You eliminate four penalties, so that means that you still have what. Uh, freaking uh, math not a strong suit of mine seven penalties <laughs> right you still have yeah. seven penalties that's yeah. a lot of penalties still right but you probably win a game like you, you probably do and it's just all their penalties were not five yards not you know oh five, free first down you know not a free play it 15 yards personal foul personal foul 15 yards 15 10 it just yeah it, you didn't really have any pass interference penalties um but it's just all those things just really a lot of it really seemed, just, they, they they all snowball that's what it is they all definitely snowball but it seemed like third down was always costly too the saints found ways to convert on third down and this is where you have to take advantage step up as a defense and just get off of the field right let brady go back out there try and get you some more points as we look at uh what the offense was able to do in this one you know we talked about tom brady in his day the offensive line but the running backs Coming into this one, another thing we said is that this probably isn't going to be the week to really try and, uh, you know, pound the rock and, and get things running. And I mean, between all three of their running backs, they only had 13 carries. So it wasn't necessarily like that. But I don't know. Even though they did try and run, it didn't seem like they got anything going. Your leading rusher was Gio Bernard with two carries for 15 or I'm sorry, 30 yards. So 15 yards per carry in average on the day for him. Leonard Fournette, eight carries, 26 yards. And then Ronald Jones, three carries for 13 yards. Clearly not the day to run the ball. You know, you well, knew it would be a struggle coming into this Gio, one. Gio Bernard's uh, stats are, are inflated because of a 124-yard run. So, right. uh, you know, he only, you know, he, he had 30 yards, but 24 of them came on one play. So, yeah, I mean, Brady threw the ball 40 times. I didn't have an issue with that. Like, I didn't think they 
They ran it a bit too much early on. I think they wanted to see if they could, which they found out that they couldn't. Uh, you know, I wonder who tried to call that. Basically, not like I can't take credit for that because basically almost everybody did. But um, yeah, I mean, you look at the offensive stats, and if you just looked at these, you would have thought think the Bucks won, man. Like it's just it's insane. If you just looked at the stats and didn't look at the penalty numbers or the turn, you know, you know, the turnovers you would see on the stats, but if you just looked at those. You would think the Bucks probably won a high-scoring close game. Well, and take a look at the receivers today. Chris Godwin balled out. I think Silverback Danny brought it up in the chat. But eight receptions, 140 yards, one touchdown. I mean, he was fighting for a lot of those receptions. Chris Godwin has this uncanny ability to just make the most ridiculous catches I have ever seen at a consistent basis. If he Dropped doesn't end up first one out on third if, down, if he <laughs> yeah, that one was rough. But if he doesn't end up a Buccaneer in 2022 he is going to be one hell of a wide receiver for whatever team brings him in and hopefully makes him a designated number one target uh because that guy definitely deserves it after all these years but you know he had a strong day 140 yards for him tyler johnson definitely stepped up he had that ugly drop at the end of the game which really would have helped yeah. pad his stats but it was garbage time the game was lost at that point i think the team was just deflated uh five receptions 65 yards for tj so real grayson had one reception for 50 yards yeah, man. How about that? I mean, it wasn't the same route, but basically the same situation he was in when he was thrown that pass last season that bounced right off of his face mask. He's able to redeem himself and literally walk it into the end zone. So you love to see that for surreal grace. And Mike Evans broke loose as well. Only two catches, but uh, 48 yards and had the touchdown he did have one that Brady overthrew him on early in the game. He was able to kind of get a step on Lattimore. He ends up slipping, and Mike is ahead by a good yard. Brady overthrows him, hits him on the same route later in the game, so you love to see him get on the board in this one. Leonard Fournette, three receptions for 17 yards. OJ got a couple of catches for 16 yards. Cam with two catches. Yeah. Jalen Darden, three receptions for 11 yards, and then uh, the running backs round things out for us. So, you know, what are your overall thoughts from – the way this offense played, I know you kind of summed everything up where if you look at the stat sheet, you'd think the Bucks won this one. But, you know, as we kind of look at what we can take away from this week and, and head into after the bye, you know, what are your takeaways in this one? Well, my takeaways is that uh, I do think they win this football game if Antonio Brown's available. Um, yeah, I think that makes a big difference. I do. Um, he was Brady was just eyeing Godwin too much and the Saints knew it. And that's why they tried to trick Brady, and they did. Brady was going – I'm going to use it one more time. Brady was going for a treat to Godwin, and they, the Saints played a trick on him, and it worked. Both times, um, it felt like. Both of those Chris Godwin uh, interceptions, it felt like he just totally didn't even see the other defender right there. I think he did, but if Godwin's not held on the first one, he gets there. So. Mm, yeah, um, that's important too. It, the, the, the rule has to be if, if the defensive back impedes the receiver's ability to get to the ball – that's pass interference. Godwin was held and couldn't get to the spot where the ball was thrown. That's pass interference. Um, so, yeah, it's just on, on, the, on that last one, though, that's the one, right? Just You felt like if the Bucks had one more option. Tyler Johnson played great, but he's not Antonio Brown right now, right? He's just not. Um, Surreal Grayson is certainly not Antonio Brown. It, it seemed um, like the guy who was running the A-B routes tonight was Jalen Darden. You know, we saw him on that one little uh, – he had like the jet sweep, right, if I remember correctly, and that that always mm -hmm. ended up producing positive yardage. But he had a couple of other targets tonight, and I remember one where 
He was throwing the ball kind of outside the flat and had to shift and make people move. And he got a couple of yards, but like he just can't really do it like AB. Nobody on that offense really can. Yeah. It just, I guess, I mean, Brady just gets Saints do a great job of confusing him. And um, I believe his, his press conference uh, lasted a minute and 29 seconds. So That's he's, the best, uh, isn't it? he's clearly not, uh, not too happy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's tough because like I said, if Antonio Brown plays and they just have another option, he doesn't have to key on Godwin as much. And I mean, Godwin was, you know, in Brady's defense, Godwin was winning the matchups consistently. Like, I mean, you don't get 140 yards if you're not winning your matchups consistently. Oh yeah. But like one too many times to the well, man. And, and, and you got burned, you, you got burned. So you have to have to take a look at that last play, see what else was out there. Um, he didn't really get a, a good look at, what the other receivers were doing on that play. But um, yeah, it seemed like he got fooled. And I think if Antonio Brown's there, look, Mike Evans had two catches, 48 yards. Like, yeah, he had the long one, but like he was pretty quiet. Right. But we kind of expected him to be, we talked about this. We, the saints do a great job of being able to, to shadow guys over to Mike Evans side and really take him out of the game. It felt like if the bucks had one more guy to, to be, you know, to be really productive, and make a big play when they needed it, they would have been able to get this one done. And I think Antonio Brown, if he played, would have done that. Um, again, like I said, it's a shame. The first week that they play, they play week one, 2020. AB's not on the roster. They play week nine, 2020. AB just signed. He's not going to play a whole lot. And then in the playoffs, AB gets hurt. So you really don't know what, what this offense looks like against the Saints with Antonio Brown, especially this year's version of Antonio Brown and this year's version of Rob Gronkowski because what you saw out there today was not Rob Gronkowski, really. Um, it, just, it just goes to show you, I think, how important Antonio Brown is. Chris Gowan is very important to this offense. But it goes to show you how important a guy like Antonio Brown is to this offense. Because against the good defenses, you can only cover so many guys. So I think that that really hurt him. Yeah. Now, before we uh, look ahead for the Buccaneers, the bye week and beyond, I want to talk about one more instance of the Bucs beating the Bucs tonight because we have failed to mention it. The negated interception in the end zone. I believe it was Antoine Winfield Jr. who made the snag. And uh, I don't even remember the penalty. Was it the Will Golston? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the Will Golston one. Yeah, Will Golston roughing the passer. His helmet which, which, what? If you're gonna call the roughing the passer, here's the thing. Before we get into your point here, no, you're. If good. you're gonna call the, if you're gonna call the roughing the passer, at least call the hands of the face on Teron Armstead too, so the penalty's offset and you just replay the down. Like at least do that. Like don't give him a free first or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean it's important to mention, but. You know, that's a huge turnover. I believe the Saints ultimately ended up in the end zone after that call, right? I think I think it was just three. It was okay. just three. But, well, it, I mean, it, the, it, the Bucks lost by two. So yeah. It would have taken points off of the board, and the Bucks go out and score, put themselves in the lead further than they already were at that point. Then, obviously, it's it's pretty important stretch. Um, another thing, too, was the two-point conversion at the end of the game. You know, that's, that's rough, man. You, you knew that... They didn't necessarily have to, but if you want to make it a game to where the Saints don't need to just stroll on down the field, then, you know, you go for two. I, I mean, what, what did you think of the call? Clearly, anyone's going to say that you shouldn't go for it if it doesn't work. And then if it does work, well, then Brady and Arians are a genius pair and and all of this stuff. But what were your thoughts? I'm going to be pretty blunt here. Anybody that tries to tell you they shouldn't have gone for that is an idiot. Okay. Yeah. 
Like, like you know, you are because if you kick the extra point, if I you agree, don't get I the, agree if, with you. Thanks for calling. I'm just me. saying. I know I'm not calling you an idiot. All right. Let's not. I've called you that many times before, but not right now. All right. Anyways, um, you know, it, let's say you don't get the two point conversion. You're at 27. Okay. A field goal beats you. If you kick the extra point, you're at 28. A field goal beats you. Like, so yeah, you go for it. Yeah. The issue I had was, you know, talk about idiot. That was an idiotic play call. Um, I saw some people really like that play call. Even no, they, even no, the, uh, no, the Chris no, Godwin no. handoff. The play that too, sent them to the Super Bowl. Too many things have to go right for that play to, to work. Yeah. Um, too many things have to go right. Your blocking really has to be good. And none of that yeah. was happening tonight. Nothing went right. Yeah, it just it no. No, 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 no. Just brutal play call. Just a, a brutal, brutal play call. Um I, I yeah, I don't get it. It's it didn't make any sense to me. You're trying to get fancy. You didn't do anything like that all game. Um, well, they tried. They tried. I, the, it, uh, the funny thing is the, the Saints Leonard... run a trick play and it's it's successful. Right. The Bucks who never run trick plays and the Saints just snuff it out. Yeah. Like the well, Bucks that, never run. Trick I, plays I will and the say Saints that somebody's probably going to say and I'm referring to the Leonard Fournette attempted pass here. Uh, somebody's probably going to say that it's a good time to run trick plays. And sure, if you're a team that usually runs trick plays and they work, it probably would have been a good time to run a trick play. But for the Bucks. You got to show to me that you can successfully execute a trick play before you run something like a uh, a running back pass because I don't know what was supposed to happen there, but just like you said, I I, I think it, based on what it looked like, it looked like Fournette was supposed to pass it back to Brady. Yeah. Brady throws it forward. That that's what it looked like supposed to happen to me. Um, and then I guess somebody was covering Brady because I don't know, like I said, a team that never runs trick plays, somehow the saints got wind of that. They were going to run this, <laughs> this type of play. Um, and the saints who run trick plays pretty often run a successful one. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I texted you. It's, it's, it's funny. Um, that just, it felt like when the books, I, I texted you, I said, I, I know this is pessimistic in me, but. I don't feel great when it was 27 to 26. And I said, if they would have gotten that two point conversion, I would have felt much better. Cause it's just, it's a different situation. Even if the saints get the Bra field goal, Brady doesn't he, have I, to I go out there and attempt two 30 plus yard passes in a row. If, if it's a three point ball game, right? I mean, so silverback Danny put, you know, put a pretty, he wouldn't have had to play hero ball. If it was a tie game, right? You play smart, right? If, because if you don't get it, it goes to overtime, whatever. You still have a chance that one. It was do or die. Basically. Um, it felt like when the bucks didn't get that two point conversion, I was like, I know exactly how this ends. Honestly, I didn't think the bucks were going to get the ball back after that failed two point conversion. Yeah. And then, you know, three straight incompletions later in, yeah, in a whole was, seven seconds, a clock burnt by new Orleans. Just um yeah, I didn't I didn't think the Bucks were gonna get the ball back. I honestly didn't. So I didn't think it was gonna come down to a Brady interception. I just thought it was gonna be a last second um field goal. That's what I, that's what I thought was gonna happen. And New Orleans, yeah, they, they threw it on first and goal, they threw it on second goal, both incomplete. Then third and goal was complete to Alvin Kamara, uh, which forced the Bucks to burn a timeout. Uh they only had one. And I remember texting you, I was like, it feels like that second timeout that they had the burn right there might be the one that hurts them. And it turns out they didn't have to use one time. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, just, I, there's not really a whole lot more to say. Just a, a, a frustrating game. Um, yeah, they're, 
it's just it seems like the, the Saints aren't I we were talking before the show and I said if, if the you know if the Bucks won, I was gonna come on this show and say, yes, the Bucks beat them in the playoffs last year, but it still didn't feel like the Saints were were completely gone from their heads yet. Right. If the Bucks won this game in the Superdome uh, again, right? You win two straight in the Superdome on Halloween in a big stage. The Bucks would finally have the Saints monkey off their back. Fortunately, I, it's still there. And um, I'm going to treat week, week 15 as such that the Bucks just, for whatever reason, you know, whenever they're playing the Saints, things that normally don't happen will happen. So you got you got to be prepared for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Brady has. I think I saw Jenna Lane might tweet this out as the, with the books. Brady has six pick sixes, I think, and two of them have, have come against the Saints. I, I believe in his last twenty something games. I don't know how many turnovers he has, but uh, eight of them have come from the Saints. I, I mean, it, it is safe to say that in the regular season, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady just don't play well against New Orleans like that. That's a fact. Bruce Arians has only won a single game against New Orleans since becoming head coach. It was in the playoffs. So, of course, it holds so much more weight than the other five losses I think he has at this point. So, yeah, when the playoffs come back around and the Buccaneers are in the postseason, if they run into New Orleans again, it'll be exciting to see that matchup. But, you know, again, just I hope not as, as we as uh, we wrap uh, up, av- av- avoid New Orleans and Los Angeles at all costs. Yeah. I, I think that, that's what you got to do. Well, it's, you know, this it's, football it's, team is always going to want their chance. And I'm sure when they play them again later on this season, they're going to, you know, they're going to bring it a little bit more. Hopefully, well, not hopefully, hopefully they'll be healthier. You know, yeah. and that's well, that's one thing I do want to wrap this show up with is that they have the bye week now. Right. Uh, Richard Sherman could have played in an absolute emergency. He was active. He was dressed. He could have played. Apparently, Bruce Arians said that they were he was begging for to put him in, but they wanted to play it cautious. Um, I wish they would have done the same with Rob Gronkowski, but he was back. Levante David was back, and Levante, I thought, played really well. Um, I thought he, he played really well, but those three guys are you know, hopefully back. I, hopefully, Gronkowski is just the, you know, just the thing where with the bye week, he'll be able to rest up and he'll be good to go. And then you know you got some a little bit of updates kind of for me in Rappaport that said like Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis could be back after the bye week. It didn't say they would be back, but they said could be. So I think you're getting closer to them returning. Um, not saying it's going to happen week 10, but this football team is certainly getting healthier. And it does sound like Antonio Brown is expected to be back after the bye week as well. So um, obviously check on Donovan Smith. Hopefully that's not nothing serious. I know he finished the game, but so did Antonio Brown in Philly when he hurt his ankle. So, you know, you can finish games and still have injuries. Uh, even Gronkowski with that rib injury, he finished yeah. the game. Um, so, yeah, but, the, you know, this team is, is getting healthier and uh, it sucks that the loss, but they're still six and two. And, um, you know, hopefully week 15 in Tampa, it's a different story with a healthier team. Yeah. You stole my bit there, by the way. That's what I was what <laughs> no nothing i'm just messing with you um i stole a bit of the facts That's yeah what I stole. yeah uh so basically as as we put a bow on just an ugly loss against a division opponent on the road we look ahead for this football team i think we pretty much covered the injury front but let's go ahead and talk about the matchups that they have coming out of the bye week because as far as the schedule goes until you play a team like buffalo it seems like they've got a couple pretty winnable games ahead of them you know, when they, when they come back from their break and and thank God for the bye week too, because I don't think he could have asked for a better time. 
Yeah, so they're they're they have four games before Buffalo. Um, that's at Washington. Two and the Washington is two and six. Can I fire watch party? Can I fire watch party? Don't miss it. Yep. Wing box. Right. I assure you that the Bucks won't lose this one when you're at a watch party. There you go. Um, and uh, they got the Giants in Tampa, where the Bucks have been undefeated so far. Uh, the two and five oh, this New York season, Giants. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The two and five New York Giants. No, I mean all time. They never lose. In yeah, stop States. it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> um, the Buccaneers at, at Colts. Maybe a tough road game. Uh, the Colts are three and five. They lost a close one to Tennessee today in overtime. I guess it so, depends on what version of Carson Wentz yeah, you get basically. that day. Yeah. Because today's Carson, if today's Carson Wentz shows up, then the Bucs won't have much trouble. But uh, Carson Wentz has been good, but he was rough today. So that might be a little bit of a tough game. But still, that's a winnable game. You're better than the Colts. And then they play the Falcons three and four. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. Um, the Falcons will probably give them a little bit of a, more of a fight in Atlanta. Uh, they, they gave them more of a fight, um, you know, in Atlanta last year, the, the Falcons were up, what was it? 17 and nothing at halftime in Atlanta last year. Yeah. So it, it, I, I don't expect that one to be a blowout. This is a different football team outside of Tampa. Uh, it, it really is. Um, yeah, and it's it, funny it, too because you're coasting off of an identity. I know that what the 2020 team did doesn't matter anymore, but the narrative for the Bucks for a long time has been they're a little bit more of a road warrior football team. They usually have had a better record on the road than at home. And I mean, the playoffs, you know, you have to beat everybody on the road to make it back home for the Super Bowl. Uh, so that was a nice payoff for them. But this is usually a team that. For a lot of years, we have talked about they they tend to play better on the road. And, you know, it seems like a mixed bag as far as uh, as road trips go with this Brady era team. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, Silverback Danny said Giants aren't that bad. Don't expect an easy game. The reason I'm expecting a a pretty sizable win is because it's in Raymond James Stadium. This is a different specifically offense. This is a different offense inside of Raymond James Stadium. It, it, it is inside Raymond James Stadium. They scored 31. 48, 45, 38 on the road, 27, 28, 19, 24. They still have not scored over 30 points on the road. And they're just, they haven't scored under 30 points at home. So this team is just different, uh, different at at home. Um, So it's tough. You know, David Cardona said giants are Washington trap game. To me, a trap game has to, you have to be looking ahead to something. Well, are the Bucks coming off of a bye week gonna have view Washington as a trap game when they have the Giants coming up? Like maybe the the one trap game is possibly the Falcons, right? Possibly the Falcons one because right after that is the Bills and then the Saints. So if you're talking about a trap game, possibly Atlanta in Atlanta, that could be a tricky one. But as far as Washington and the Giants, that needs to be two wins. And then you have two games on the road against the Colts and Falcons. But yeah, I mean, they're two and two on the road right now, four and oh at home, two and two on the road, and three of the next four are on the road. So they, they got to figure it out. Yeah. And uh, just a quick update, courtesy of the live chat, that knee injury for Jameis Winston that we were talking about. Sean Payton said it was going to be an extended period of time. Well, it seems like the initial news is that it is something season ending. So as we look ahead down the schedule to uh, the next time these two teams match up, Jameis Winston probably won't be under center for his return to Tampa Bay. 
Uh, so just something to monitor because if this team has to go up against Trevor Simeon again, or God forbid they get Taysom Hill back by that time of the season, which they probably will, uh, you know, it'll be a lot different conversation talking about the Saints on offense headed into that game. Because I think if you have a guy like Taysom Hill back, it just opens another door for what this offense is able to do. And uh, yeah, just something to monitor. But uh, thanks for the update, guys. Yeah, well, Taysom Hill had a concussion, so I would expect him to clear concussion protocol soon. Yeah. Um, and Kevin says, uh, speaking of Jameis Winston, there's literally a video of him dancing with crutches on Twitter. You know, yeah, it's funny. See... Whenever the Saints beat the Bucks, they party in their locker room like they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, yeah, and I see a lot of people, in, including Greg Allman. Uh, sorry, Greg, but says it's not a good look for Antoine Winfield. I'll be eight to W after the interception. Oh, I don't my care. Goodness. I, I don't care. Screw those guys. Like, yeah, right. I understand. We, we, we feel for Jameis, right? Like, we, we feel for Jameis. We were we both talked about how we, we felt bad. You know, we, it's kind of bumming, you know, that, yeah, man, like, only a quarter, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you're so excited about this matchup and he goes down and like, that sucks. But Winfield never played with Jameis. Okay. He just made a play for his team against a division rival who was constantly, and I mean, constantly mocked yeah. the Bucks. Yeah. Let's not, so, hey, let's not act like, you let's know, not there act like the Saints any... are some road scholars. It, here, it, all yeah. right? <laughs> they're, they're not some, they're not, yeah, whatever. Just I I didn't have I'm I'm not saying I love it but I don't have a huge problem with the Winfield thing whatever yeah no I get it man get uh, over it but I think I think honestly we've covered everything we need to tonight we we talked about the game of course what needs to be improved by Tampa Bay the timing of the bye week and then of course we took a look at some of the games coming out of that stretch what is next for this team is hopefully. By the end of the bye week, as they get ready for Washington, you're going to be getting a lot of your key players back over the next few weeks. So, of course, if there is any major news out of one buck place, we will let you know. But uh, it is officially the bye week. No Bucks football next weekend. So, you know, take a Sunday off. Go hang out with your family or something. Like, you can watch the games on your phone. Go outside. Go do something. Um, yeah. yeah, just get it, get, get away because based on Bucks Twitter, like I always say, Bucks, <laughs> Bucks Twitter, they get too high on the wins and too low on the, on the losses, right? It's a very reactionary place on the internet. Yeah. And I understand that's with most fan bases, but like, especially since Brady is came here, it seems like every loss feels like just the end of the year. Like after the, after the Rams game, they're like, Oh, well, you know, this, this team clearly it's over. isn't it. Might, might yeah, as well put, start putting together your uh, your draft boards, gentlemen, because that's usually you know. what we do in October with Bucks football. Is and, and now know. it's and now it's oh, this is the most pathetic game I've ever seen. This is right, embarrassing. Right. They're six and two. All right, let's that that's going to be my my closing thing here. All right, they are six and two, ladies and gentlemen. The sky is not falling. They are six and two, and they play literally the last two good teams. That I think they play are the Bills and Saints. So. Yeah, if they lose them, let's say they lose those games, right? They get swept by the Saints, whatever. So 13 and four. So r- relax, all right? The sky is not falling. They're still a good football team. And just can't wait to see Tom Brady at the can- I mean, what, what's what's a better combination? A, a furious Tom Brady and then the Can of Fire Watch Party? Like, I mean, are you oh, yeah. kidding me? If you get Tom Brady off of a couple of short press conferences when he knows that this has to be the turning point for the team, 
I don't I know. Mean, what he those... knows that the can of fire watch party is going on. Yeah, he and he knows he has to show out, right? He's going up against Washington, Chase Young. They got a pretty stout defense, but nothing he hasn't seen before. He torched these it's guys. It's been terrible. In the it's been terrible this year. Yeah, but, right. You know. I mean, he, he torched these guys in the playoffs. Hopefully, you have Antonio Brown back. So this offense is running at almost 100% strength after the bye week. Tom's going to be pissed off. He wants to continue his race for the MVP because even though it's a hiccup, damn it, he threw four touchdowns. Four. He leads Four. the league in touchdowns after this weekend. Am I correct? The only guy yeah. who was close to him was Pat Mahomes, who shit the bed this week. Well, you know, he plays tomorrow night, so. Yeah, well. <laughs> he plays the Packers, too, right? It's going to be a good game. Plays the, uh, no, he plays the Giants. Packers really play on Chiefs Thursday Giants? night. Yeah, Packers uh, play Thursday night. I thought we got that crazy That crazy thing where A.J. Green wasn't looking for the ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you are right. I know we get Packers Chiefs. I think it's next week. That should be a good game. Yeah. AJ Green so, wasn't even looking for the ball. That's it was so weird. It was so weird, you know. Um, Bucks are the four. I did want to bring this up because I we brought this up before the show real quick. David Cardona said Bucks are the four seed in the NFC and still first in the South. All is good. Uh, well, you know, they probably, I mean, I think New Orleans will probably beat Atlanta next week, right? So I think yeah. we can agree there. So they'll probably be first when the Bucks take the field uh, week 10 versus Washington. But the seeding thing, the Cardinals lost. Yes, I know the Packers won, but the Cardinals lost and the Cowboys are playing right now without Dak Prescott. So like, as far as seeding goes, I can check on that game, but like, I, they're, they're down seven to three right now, the, the Cowboys. So as far as seeding goes, it won't hurt the Bucks as much because the, the same week they lost the Cardinals and hopefully the Cowboys are able to lose. So yeah, the, and I the mean, Bucks are fine. Don't worry. Look at the adjustments laid made last season into the bye week. They came off of a loss against the Saints, but obviously it was thirty eight and, to and, three. Well, and, and last, well, no, that yeah, that wasn't. Um, the bye week was Kansas, the Rams, and then Kansas City. And then they, they hit oh, the Oh, yeah, you're right. My bad. Well, regardless, it was a bad stretch of games headed into the bye week. And then the adjustments that they made coming out, they went on the most historic win streak in the history of the franchise. So I'm confident in the adjustments that can be made with this team. Everybody in that locker room knows that it's a turning point on the season as far as discipline and execution goes. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens when they square off against a shitty football team against Washington because they have been able to absolutely run up the score against bad football teams this year. So, I I mean, I hope they drop 50 the week of the party. I'm just hoping they can do it on the road, man. That's my only concern. Like, if this is in Raymond James Stadium, I had no issues. But, like, on the road, they, they beat Philly by six. They beat New England by two. Like, you know, that that's their only that's their only two. Like. I, I don't know. Uh, what what team do you guys fear the most in the NFC? Real quick, before we get out of here. Probably the Rams. Let's just – yeah. Good, you know, based on matchups against the Bucks, probably the Rams, yes. But, like, as far as talent, Arizona is really good, man. Like, they're I, really good. Yeah, I mean, I'll eat it. I think I said it on this podcast. Yeah, I'll eat it too. JJ I didn't Watt. think they were going to be this good. I thought they were going to get seven to eight wins on the year. Yeah. I think I, I think I tweeted. I thought JJ Watt wanted to win when he when he announced he was signing the Cardinals. Like I'll, I'll eat it. Yeah, they've been good, so, man. You know, you know the bye week's coming up. We don't know of our exact schedule for the bye week yet, so we'll we'll be coming at you guys probably something soon. We won't disappear into the darkness. I promise. Yeah, we got some content coming out for you guys between now and the Cannon Fire Watch Party. But with that being said, 
Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Shout out to all of our live people in the uh, YouTube chat here. Willie Beeman, the moderator, holding it down. Dub hanging out with us. Steve Smith, the Steve Smith, I think. Uh, Silverback Danny, Alex, David Carter, Cardona. I'm sorry. <laughs> Scrolling through these names really quick. Anybody else that I may have missed, we truly do appreciate you. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. It is free. It doesn't cost you a damn thing. And uh, what can you expect from us? Plenty of great Buccaneer content all year long. I mean, it's just, it's a grind, right? We, we do it for you. We do it because we enjoy putting content out, but we like putting out the best content that we possibly can. And it's more than just the podcast. We have got the, uh, the Buried Bucks Treasure Series, myself and James, hopefully going to be recording another one of those here soon. I wanted to try and get one done by the bye week, but... You know, surprisingly, nobody wants to show their stuff off. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can put something together. Follow the I show. Blame James. Yeah, it's James fault. It, it, that's why he's going into the watch. Uh, that's why he's going into the party. Or, yeah. He, what the, the hell? Table, that's why he's table. going into the table at the watch party. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Evan. Tell the people about the watch party, because I'm, I'm talking yeah. myself into a hole here. I mean, you know, you got the Bucks coming off a loss. Tom Brady doesn't lose two in a row. It's a guaranteed win. Like you're going to Barry House. On November 14th to see the Bucks win a football game. I think that's the first time, by the way, in show history that Evan has ever said it's a guaranteed win for the Bucks. So that's it's, historic, it's, folks. That, it's a lock. that should let you know how big of a deal this already is. It, it, it's a lock. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I never said that. Don't hold me to that. But it, it's going to be a win. They're not going to lose this football game. Okay? They're not going to. All right? So what better way to celebrate than at Barry House? Right? November 14th, live at Barry House. We will be there live pregame show, live postgame show. Not all watch parties are doing live postgame shows, folks. Um, Mr. Bucks Nation will be there. So if you guys like James's channel, I don't know why you would, but if you like James's <laughs> channel, you know, be sure to, to check it out. Hang out with us. Have a good time. Food, we got wing box. Well, I mean, Rhett has been eating wings all you, his life. You, you want to know something, too, is that Halloween is a very special day to me, not only because it is, you know, the kickstart of the holiday season. It finally gets to start cool outside. But today is the six year anniversary of the first time I ever ate the wing box food truck. It there popped up on my Facebook memories today and it was 2015, October 20, uh, 31st. I was out in St. Petersburg for at the time it was the world's largest food truck rally. And there I stumbled upon a little truck called Wingbox. I tried the chicken and waffle and a handful of their buffalo chicken wings, and it changed me as a man. I, I actually became a man in that spot on that day. It changed my life. And I promise when you guys have some of their uh, have some of their wings at the watch party, it'll change your life, too. I'm really excited to have these guys out here. I've been eating their truck for a very long time. And uh, our buddy Joe, the owner, is just a great friend of mine. So I'm, I'm really glad we could get these guys out here for this. And then I do believe the, the Berry House also has um, they have some cool pretzels that I'm really excited. Oh, to try. yeah, man. They got some um, beer pretzels. They got Cuban sandwiches as well. If you want something a little yeah. more traditional, I think that's the extent of their menu, which is, of course, yeah. why we're bringing the food truck out. But, um, you know, they got some really good stuff, too, if you're not into the fried chicken aspect of things. Yeah. So it's not it's not just the, wings. It's not just wings, but they also wing boxes, fries. They, I believe that do they have nachos? I believe um, uh, they might have a variation of nachos, but they've got the loaded box. Okay. They've got the fries. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they throw down. They do have a pretty extensive and menu. It's not just chicken wings. Berry house for the beer wing box. If you don't drink wing box has soda, water, all that good stuff. So, yeah, come on out. Have a good time. I believe the party starts what noon. So yeah, I'd say uh, noon, you could go ahead and start showing up. I think that's when Barry yeah. House is going to open their doors. We'll get there a little early to set up and 
of course, make sure our stuff is good to go for our pregame show. But yeah, party starts at noon, and then uh, I'm thinking we'll probably go till about 5.30. It's a 1 o'clock game, so if the game wraps up at 3.30, 3.45, we'll wait a couple of minutes, jump on, do a postgame podcast, and uh, probably get you guys out of there about 5 o'clock. So it should be an action-packed afternoon of uh, football and podcasting. Yeah, you guys don't – there's no charge to show up. Just show up. Uh, there's there's no charge. I believe pets are allowed also. Um, I, I believe I, it is a pet-friendly venue. I don't think they'll allow you inside the building, of course, but they have a really cool outside courtyard area. Mm-hmm. They've got some turf in there and plenty of room for you to let them off a leash and uh, let your animals run around. Yeah, so come in, uh, hang out with us. It'll be a, a great time and uh, be able to watch some some Bucks football with us, eat some great food, and just, just have a great time with some great people. So uh, we're really excited for it, and we hope you guys show up. If you want more information, if you want to keep tabs on the information, go follow the, the page on social media. I'm sure Rhett will give you the tags there and everything. Uh, check out our cool little videos that we've made for it, promoting it. Uh, really dope videos that Rhett put together. So, um, yeah, Barry House, November 14th, Cannon Fire Watch Party. Let's go. Yes, sir. It should be a really good time. Social media is where you can find all of that information that Evan just mentioned. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can also follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Once again, folks, it is now officially the bye week for Tampa Bay. We'll take a break, have next week off, and then look ahead to uh, some pretty winnable games and, of course, some adjustments coming out of the bye week, which should put the Buccaneers playing their strongest football by the time the postseason comes around, because believe it or not, we are a little over the halfway mark in this 2021 NFL season. It's kind of crazy, right? I mean, week eight, 17 games. So you got the extra week, but we're here, folks. We're in it. And uh, the hunt for the top seed begins. We'll talk to you guys soon. Next time we do, it'll be the mailbag show, probably later on this week than we usually do. Uh, But you'll definitely hear from us before next weekend. Thanks again for checking out this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys a little bit later this week. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.